Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week I speak to leading sustainability thinkers and practitioners, scientists, economists, NGOs, business leaders and investors. We discuss the sustainability imperative, the key challenges, the latest thinking, and what's working in sustainability, resilience and regeneration. I'm very pleased today to welcome Meta Patkar to the podcast. Meta is an Indian social activist working on various crucial political and economic issues raised by tribals, Dalits, farmers, labourers and women facing injustice in India. She's the founder member of Normada Bachoa Andolan, a people's movement organised to stop the construction of a series of dams planned for India's largest westward flowing river, the Normada. She's also one of the founders of the National Alliance of People's Movements, an alliance of hundreds of progressive people's organisations in India. Well, thank you very much, Meda, for joining me today on the Sustainability Agenda podcast. Welcome. Now, you have been a social activist for uh, many years. Can you, just for the audience today on the podcast, give us a little bit of background about what you have been doing and what kind of issues concern you? First and the foremost, uh I've been working in the valley of Narmada River in the western India, which is 1,300 kilometers long river. And the overall river valley management has been highly destructive and displacement-oriented. So the movement that has been going on till date over the last 35 years has also driven World Bank out of this valley. And that caused an independent uh, international review through a Bradford Moore's mission that made the World Bank withdraw from the project. But the World Bank had to appoint an inspection panel, which is now taking care of the complaints by many project-affected people or those who are for saving the environment of river valleys and even otherwise. This is the Save Narmada movement that is taking the governments by horns because uh, there has been injustice and also non-sustainable way to push the project. So there was a long-term legal action and uh, with many, many, many court cases and also these strong mass movements with mass actions, but all non-violent, peaceful in a way. Uh, and along with Narmada, I've been involved in the various other movements. May it be the movement of the urban poor which is mainly based in Mumbai, in the state of Maharashtra, the slum dwellers in this financial capital of India who face uh, extreme kind of destitution, not just deprivation, and have to fight for every right, but especially their housing rights. And I'm also involved in many movements that challenge the corporates, that challenge the development projects which lead to uh, enormous destruction or that bring in disparity 
as well. We have also been in the policy making and challenging the wrong policies and wrong acts. Uh, beyond environmental issues, these are socio-political issues and also economic issues because all those are interlinked as we see these. And hence the present challenge with the so-called Citizenship Amendment Act and the related two registers of citizens, which would exclude and also reject the citizenship of a large number of people, as it has happened in one of the states of Assam, which is a northeastern state in India, but which also is against the constitutional rights and is against the constitutional value framework because religion is considered as one that would define citizenship. This is absolutely unacceptable and not just the minorities belonging to the Muslim population, but various other organizations. Uh, we are together as under the banner, we the people of India. Uh, hundreds of organizations and uh, we are carrying out large protests everywhere. Just yesterday night this time I was in Bhopal addressing a large crowd along with others. So uh, these are the various issues and uh, while fighting these battles we know that we are yet to win the war because it's not just the national issues but also the international paradigm of development and the financial institutions' uh, interventions, uh, which matter a lot. Yes, yes, that, that, that's very interesting. And I, I would like to talk uh, about various issues uh, and, and organizations that you work with and are, are inspiring and doing uh, just important work with. Um, maybe just also, i like at the beginning to just get a sense, I guess, also from an Indian perspective, particularly, but what is on your mind most? There's no shortage of worrying environmental crisis facing us. And I'm just wondering, are there one or two particular issues that are on your mind? You, you've touched on uh, a couple of issues already, but um, maybe, maybe there are other things you want to say. Narmada is one of the uh, very, very crucial issue even today because this river valley has uh, a plan with 30 large and 135 medium dams. Now, big dams are really symbolic of the development paradigm that is followed, especially in the sectors like water and power. In order to generate power, storing water up to a very high head. What is done to the river and its environs is now known to even the United States of America, the nation state that has destroyed and demolished more than 1,000 structures on its own rivers. But we here in India have been following the paradigm that was set by the Tennessee River Valley Project in the same country. And we have built more than five to 6,000 large dams in this country, but we have not been able to 
solve either the water crisis with drought or even the uh, fl flood calamities. And uh, the rivers are being dried for a few months in a year and then flooded, destroying the forest, the best of agricultural and horticultural land, and displace in the Indian scale lakhs, that is hundreds of thousands of people. The Sardar Sarovar Dam that we have been fighting against, but mainly fighting against displacement without even rehabilitation and environmental losses without even compensation, uh, has really brought out the reality which is not depicted in a number of reports, uh, reviews and commissions, uh, conclusions and recommendations. This project was pushed ahead with the World Bank's money, which was not even more than 5% of its cost then. But they were pushing the dam and the Supreme Court of India had to stop the project with mass actions of ours uh, outside, which had made an impact in the whole of the country uh, by the population affected, including farmers, laborers, fish workers, potters, boatsmen, uh, the artisans, shopkeepers, all of them. In this process, uh, we got a number of judgments. We got number of uh, policies and uh, the law that was of the tribunal's award was to be followed. So we have got rehabilitation with uh, land as the source of livelihood for thousands of people, not less than 20,000 families, and plot to build houses for more than 35,000 families. But thousands remain to be rehabilitated. And without their rehabilitation, the dam was filled, the reservoir was filled with uh, the uh, massive inundation that has destroyed communities of the indigenous people, of farmers and all the categories I just mentioned. Yes. So the fight still goes on. Yes, yes. It has huge impacts. And all the river valleys in India now more or less are facing the same uh, fate whether it is the Brahmaputra River Valley, which is an interstate river on the border of China, Bhutan, India, Tibet, uh, and so on. And also within India, the Ganges, which is an interstate river, Krishna, which is an interstate river, and so on. I also have uh, at my hands uh, the huge agitation by the urban poor in Mumbai which is uh, especially by those who are left in the inhuman and uh, unlivable situation in the slums. Uh, 5,000 and more families are facing very critical pollution in, uh, on the border of uh, Mumbai. And now the government is finally, after two years long struggle, compelled to give them alternative houses with the High Court of Mumbai passing orders, the new government of Maharashtra has decided to support us and they would distribute or allocate the, allot the houses uh, in the first week of February itself. 
So we have been fighting also against the new Citizenship Amendment Act, but we also are fighting to save the acts. The environmental laws are amended uh, against the nature and against people. Labor laws are being amended and also abolished. 144 acts are to be withdrawn in the upcoming two months. And that will destroy the legal regime for the labor rights. I'm also an office bearer, president of a labor union, and we are fighting the battle by the mill workers of the Birlas, the known corporate family. Uh, they offered the two mills to us when we rejected VRS and their sale or transfer of business was proven to be fraudulent. But now they are taking a step backward and we are insisting that if they cannot run the mills, we will run the two mills, which are textile mills with 1,000 workers and more staff members. So these are the various battles. <laughs> Basically, the communities that are on the natural resources and human resources, uh, those communities uh, we have been working with. And uh, through the mass actions, we think that the transformation that could be brought in, not just in the legal framework or laws, but in the societal uh, you know, values and also the changing the relationship between the state and its people, that would go a long way in bringing true democracy and also a paradigm of development that would be sustainable and just. The very important work and such wide-ranging work you're doing. Now, the Normada, Bachoa, Andolan, NBA. Yes. That's yes. how long has that uh, social movement that that's been going for certainly 20, 30 years. I'm just wondering what 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 other movements were there when 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 you started that when that started and 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 what the lessons were and 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 maybe just some insights into what you've learned about these massive social movements and what can be achieved. Uh, it started in 1985, so we have completed uh, almost 35 years. In August, we will be completing. This movement uh, started with the raising of the voice of the displaced, but we raised various questions, the cost-benefit analysis, the distributive injustice, and uh, the wrong transfer of resources, against uh, the constitutional framework of equitable economic development and against the sustainability too, uh, right since the beginning. Now, that was a time when displacement was an issue for the indigenous communities and the development projects were being pushed ahead, especially with the international financial institutions' involvement, but also with the industrialization, corporatization, uh, highest uh, level of mechanization being considered as the most modern economic development paradigm. And that was leading to the destruction of the natural resources, which would ensure food security and water security for millions of people in the country. So 
when we challenged this, we challenged the uh, bad planning of the projects or no planning, uh, non-participatory approach where the people are never consulted or taken into consideration with their own uh, dreams of life and dreams of progress for themselves and not even following the laws of the land. Like, for example, in the indigenous communities, the, there is a special law called as the Adivasi Swashasan law. That is the law for self-governance in the scheduled tribe communities, as they are called in India. Uh, and with all this, we realized that the not just the communities and their livelihoods, but also the river itself was getting destroyed. When the capital is lost, what would we pass on to the next generations? Is a question that we have raised. And we exposed the false affidavits, false reports, false claims, whether about the social rehabilitation or the uh, environmental compensatory and mitigatory measures. We took the battle to the United Nations, uh, the ILO and the Commission for Human Rights. We took the battle to the US Congress with the United States of America being the foremost investor in the World Bank and to the World Bank missions. And uh, internationally, there was a huge cry halt by the various organizations which questioned the World Bank as to where their mark or their yen or their dollar or their euro was going. And then finally, the board of directors had to decide uh, to review the project first and then based on the report and then some follow-up withdraw from the project. So that was a victory. Now, this leads to questioning in the case of many projects uh, of what happens when the international financial institutions come in. They, first of all, do not follow, not even understand many a times, the laws of the land. And that is absolutely against the sovereignty of the nation state, not just the sovereignty of the state, but the sovereignty of its people uh, that deal at the units of communities. Uh, and the people cannot take out rallies to Washington, D.C. Uh, or to Geneva either. And hence, uh, the battles are to be fought at the ground level. Now, the indigenous communities had fought their own battles even during the freedom movement against the British rule and uh, even in the uh, independent India, because uh, although we have got the political independence, the real freedom for the communities have not yet come true. Uh, the battles were also on in the uh, by the laborers, uh, toiling masses in various fields. The farmer struggles raise the issue of uh, why are the farmers uh, compelled to commit suicides? There have been uh, more than 350,000 farmers having committed suicide within a decade. Uh, mind you, even in 1718, 2017-2018, uh, more than 10,000 uh, farmers committed suicide in India. That's because of indebtedness. 
is just because of the inappropriately low prices for the farm produce and that is true about all natural products and also the human labor the valuation or estimation of the value of human and labor and natural resource investment is uh, underestimation so all these movements were having an impact on the narmada movement they were our supporters on one hand and we were also joining hands with them uh, and when the narmada became a very well known movement uh, all the people across the country and even internationally have tried to um, engage us in their battles and uh, we have been happy to do that and it's vice versa indeed indeed and and so you're increasingly so what the 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 lessons and the inspiration from the narmada movement to what extent is that impacting other movements in india dealing with the problems of dams dams especially the large dams uh, which uh, we analyzed uh, and studied Uh, across the country because i was also one of the members uh, commissioners on the world commission on dams and uh, the other commissioners uh, 12 of us all together the other 11 commissioners came from the world bank uh, its advisor uh, the uh, <coughs> there were representatives of the big corporates like abb and siemens and uh, uh, who were uh, building large dams Uh, there were also a ceo of uh, the murray river valley in australia a uh, high level official from the three gorges dam in china and uh, we too one of the members of the india's planning commission was also the uh, what do you call him consulate general uh, for south africa from india he was a great economist myself on behalf of the movements and some ngo representatives from philippines and america we all together studied the large dams in the report of the world commission on dams brought out the fact that uh, the environmental and social impacts of large dams uh, are not never really fully compensated and there are better options now this options assessment we know Uh, has not been taking place while planning a project in any sector and unless the options are assessed and not just assessed but the right option is selected based on sustainability and justice the impact such as climate change or the inhuman uh, internally displaced communities uh, that is not going to stop there may be conferences conventions and summits held across the world but uh, those kinds of uh, you know the um, the um, treaties and uh, all that decisions made do not uh, on its own stop the projects and the plans which are uh, depleting the resource base and changing the climate and uh, we have learned that it is not just the environmental issues but uh, it's the socio political economic issues 
that really affect the environment and environment includes human beings not just the ozone layer it includes the forest not just the wildlife and the rivers so when these resources are being destroyed what is left for the future generation to build upon or to invest as natural resource capital these are the questions and we have learned from the long experience of dealing with the state in india that the laws and rules and regulations are invariably violated and even the supreme court judgments are not complied with so the battle has to be very very perseverant and the women's and youth's participation and also the participation of the homogeneous indigenous communities really go a long way they have that kind of perseverance they have a very creative approach to strategies and we have also learned that uh, it's only non violence that works yesterday was the uh, death anniversary of mahatma gandhi the satyagraha which is the pledge for truth is to be operationalized and strategized in various forms so we have had a number of hunger strikes fasts in the narmada movement and that really shaken has shaken ourselves our own fighting brethren the community people and also have shaken the state and also have really appealed to the larger society so this is what a mass movement really achieves so the various movements in the country today uh, look back to the history of the narmada struggle which they call as a saga of narmada and uh, all the strategies like from studying the various documents the room i am sitting in is full of documents uh, if you happen to have a look because a number of reports number of uh, people's tribunals uh, all kinds of uh, popular mechanisms we had to resort to in order to challenge the flawed or even fraudulent uh, reports claims to affidavits by the state governments and the union of india and that uh, included the legal battles as i said i had to stand up in the court since 2007 and fight the uh, legal cases uh, ourselves whether the case of corruption which continued for eight full years the case uh, on rehabilitation that is displacement without rehabilitation so on and so forth but we also as i said had to stand before the world bank and challenge their presidents who had to, one of them wolfenson had to stay on the road um, in front of 3000 people who had reached delhi from the narmada valley and uh, answer our questions for hours together so uh, these are the various experiences which have taught us all these lessons and the international uh, intervention is really an interference into our exercises of law making policy making and also in the implementation of the laws of the land it's fortunate that uh, recently there is a judgment by the united states supreme court uh, in the case of tata mundra thermal power project in the state of gujarat in india that uh, even in the case of projects which are funded by the world bank 
the laws of the land will have to be followed, which they were not accepting earlier. So I suppose that would be applicable to all the bilateral and multilateral international financial institutions. When we drove them out of the Narmada Valley, we had to challenge each one of them. ODA of UK, OECF, then of Japan, then the SWEDA of Sweden, SIDA uh, of Canada, USAID of United States of America, uh, so on and so forth. And this we had to do because they were already in Narmada Valley and they had uh, very ambitious plans to really fund because they are after all bankers, not uh, charity donors. <laughs> so that the, the impact, what has been the impact on the prevalence or, of, of international investors getting involved in these kind of projects now? Has, has, has this... Has this resulted in 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 organisations and finance leaving, and 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 or or is it still going on? To what extent is this a big driving factor? Do you think in the certainly in the in the the large dams and energy construction? They're still going on with the large dams. As I said, we have not yet won the war, uh, but the battles are won, no doubt. The inspection panel, which uh, came into existence as a result of the experience with the Narmada project and the Narmada struggle, as the panel itself has stated in its 25 years report, which may be available on the internet. Uh, the panel uh, really heard a number of cases from various countries across the world. And uh, as far as uh, uh, stopping the projects, uh, they stopped immediately after Narmada, the uh, Arun Dam in Nepal. But the Nepal present government is again trying to revive the dam and the people are, you know, uh, taking up uh, the uh, struggles. Uh, there are other dams like Pancheshwar in the Nepal state, uh, which is an interstate project, but that is also questioned. Uh, there, the inspection panel recently uh, gave its report against the Tata Mundra project, as I said, where 10,000 fish workers uh, are affected, but they were not considered as a part and parcel of the displaced communities. Uh, so that was challenged before the panel, and panel really gave out uh, good, uh, you know, reports uh, from our point of view bringing out all the flaws in planning and also violations of the World Bank's its own manual. The World Bank finances the corporates and pushes the projects, uh, such as that project. Uh, the, recently, the World Bank have also withdrawn from the Amravati city project. That is a huge capital city establishment in the state of Andhra Pradesh, which is one of the southern states in India which is to destroy the rivers, destroy the best of agricultural land, also the sand illegally mined, uh, so on and so forth. And that was not necessary because they could have established capital on barren land, at least much part of it, and could have had this uh, decentralized establishment of various parts of the capital, new capital city. Uh, that is the uh, 
result of the uh, legal battle fight before the national green tribunal in india also yes but the world bank's withdrawal has now created a scenario uh, that it is halfway through that the farmers laborers dalits the uh, scheduled caste people all of them are needing our uh, inputs to decide as to what to do when it is halfway through so i'm going to attend the meeting uh, very recently now number of dams are questioned within india whether there is international financial investment or not and that is considered now as a bad paradigm because when the state of maharashtra for example with uh, mumbai as its capital uh, faced drought just two years ago in 17 of its districts which is a smaller administrative unit than the state uh, it was a formidable situation most formidable and but the big dams half of the big dams in india are built in that state but that could not solve the problem uh, so finally the state of maharashtra has now diverted its whole attention to decentralized water management and as far as we are concerned we think it is always land water and green cover tree cover management it cannot be looked at in an isolated manner uh, on the other hand the large dams which submerge huge amount of uh, biomass as it has happened in narmada at least 2000 big trees in each village community got submerged and more than 100 communities uh, up to 178 got affected uh, submerging these hundreds of thousands of trees uh, last monsoon and uh, there was a harsh hue and cry and uh, again we had to rush to the supreme court we had to take to fast and then the government came for dialogue and so on and so forth but no one could save these trees because they had given false claims of having clear felled the trees and compensated it through afforestation now these are the claims which are always proving proved to be fake claims and that's why the climate change is contributed to by huge magnitude of biomass decay that happens in the case of big dams this is an international experts uh, statistical calculation as well so all these projects which are following the wrong kind of technology and not going in for options assessment as i said and choice of the right kind of sustainable technology are really creating a scenario which uh, has led to the clock ticking uh showing us uh, the uh, you know the, the the huge destruction or of earth ahead so i think uh, it's not just large dams but the mines the mining is also challenged not just the coal mining but all kinds of mining where also they are not considering the sustainable and reasonable optimum uh, scale and also the right kind of technology they are going in for open cast mining so on and so forth and that is at the cost of the agricultural land and the 
indigenous communities and so on the pollution is also another impact as i said so all these impacts altogether social and environmental especially also lead to an economy which is full of disparity they are taking away snatching away the resources as livelihoods from the communities who live uh, very honestly without any corruption without destruction of others and without exploitation of others and without destruction of natural ecosystems they are the ones who are losing and the others benefiting include the corporates the contractors the builders the financiers uh, and those who you know come out to be the first beneficiaries even uh, space in the new benefits and the regime that is newly brought in is not granted to those who are compelled to sacrifice so all these issues really are interlinked no it's it's very interesting you you say that i'm interested it more generally india has continued to and the government has continued to give clearance to new mining projects coal mining projects and there are you know um major issues in terms of access to to power and energy across india i was wondering can you talk a little bit about that because the it is very worrying these coal mining projects these coal projects the power generation in india actually can really go through a period of moratorium we have already achieved more than 200000 megawatt power generation capacity but what we have failed to achieve is the distributive justice the rural india still lacks uh, even one point power supply and the farming india also face hell of difficulties because of the uh, high rates of power or uh, submergence of the power grids the whole network as it has happened in narmada today the farmers are facing hell with all the transformers going under waters and reconnections not taking place so on and so forth but the power generation can come through the huge solar power that we are gifted with the all renewable sources of power rather wind power the tidal wave power and the human power we have 130 crores of population but we are facing unemployment because we are not employing human power uh, the human resources effectively and with the primacy given to that as employment generation employment generating paradigm and that's what is really the wrong uh, kind of direction that is leading to the impact on the coal uh, stores and also uh, through hydro power which is not clean neither cheap nor clean uh, which is also destroying the riverine ecosystems uh, so we have to go in for renewable uh, you know power uh, renewable sources of power generation but we are not really considering that as the best option in the uh, energy framework and that's because uh, the large projects benefit 
the large contractors and investors and they push the projects without proper impact assessments there are laws which are also going to be weakened are being weakened the participatory mechanisms such as public hearing uh, in an area which is going to be directly affected and the hearing where the people would be able to put forth their objections their alternatives so on and so forth that is going to be uh, that is not taking place anymore except uh, one category of projects which are considered as highly impactful projects so uh, the whole decision making process itself is not just undemocratic but all unscientific uh, even the science with all its limitations can give us huge amount of data that can lead to analysis that will in turn lead to the right kind of choice of technology and right kind of uh, processes to really plan the projects and implement the projects even the post facto evaluation does not take place in most of the projects whether those are water projects or power projects and hence the same old paradigm is being followed uh, in spite of so much of you and cry about climate change and so much of impact already faced here the evaporation of water to uh, you know impact on the himalayan uh, river catchments uh, to the onto the uh, groundwater onto the standing crop which gets burnt uh, the drought and flood cycles all these impacts are faced but uh, not really paid serious attention to in india till date now the youths have come forward uh, attracted by someone like greta uh, and also now learning on their own about the environmental issues and ecological science uh, they are taking the lead but they are also in so many um, sectors they have to fight the wrong educational policy they have to fight uh, the suppression and repression against the students organizations which is going on so on and so forth so uh, to the extent possible the voice is raised but it's more internationally than nationally i must say but all the uh, organizations mass movements have been realizing that this is an issue that they cannot ignore and they cannot be just issue based social movements they have to have a comprehensive outlook uh, towards the paradigm that is followed in all the sectors well it's very interesting you 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 talk about that and you talk about the impact of greta in india as well i wanted to just maybe finally talk about your work at the national alliance of people's movements which has been going for several decades and i'm just wondering um we've seen the rise and 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 success relatively of of sunrise movement in america of the extinction rebellion and i'm just wondering what are some of the lessons from your work at the national alliance of people's movements you talk about need to move beyond issue based uh, approaches you mentioned the in- increasing importance of youth but notwithstanding yes. the issues they have how how well is the how effective would you say the national alliance of people's movements is today and what are would you say one or two of the lessons about building this broader social change alliance 
this uh, national alliance of people's movements came after there was a huge kind of uh, mass gathering in the valley of narmada in 1989 uh, there onwards uh, we decided because 350 organizations had participated in that uh, massive gathering and uh, a number of veterans in the field of environment in the social transformation uh, who were in the people's politics not in the electoral politics had come together in the place called harsud the township which is no more gone under waters 700 years old township but uh, beyond that destruction we decided to uh, form an alliance because along with this challenge of the development paradigm there were two other challenges uh, that really formed the three polar framework of ideology that is accepted and followed by the national alliance of people's movements i will call it napm napm uh, the two other challenges were one of uh, communalism uh, the secular india has a framework of governance and also uh, democratic participation by the people beyond caste creed gender and uh, religious discrimination but uh, there was a beginning of uh, attacking the minorities in india especially the muslim population but not just them uh, and the one of the major issue was of the uh, temple versus mosque issue uh, and recently the court supreme court has given its judgment after years but it was in those days uh, in 1990s early 90s that uh, the massive illegal action of demolishing the mosque had taken place so we decided to challenge the casteism on one hand and this communalism on the religious basis on the other caste also is a great barrier to uh, unity of our country and uh, enormous injustice uh is faced by the so called lower caste people uh and hence we are for caste annihilation not just empowerment of the so called lower caste face exploitation and discrimination uh but we have to work with the dalits the so called lower castes uh who are really the real contributors in production and distribution and so on Uh, so this was one of the poles in our uh, tripolar ideology other than the alternative development paradigm and the third challenge was the economic challenge the globalization liberalization privatization paradigm that is benefiting the multinationals including the indian multinationals that had uh, come into the indian economy since uh, late 1970s or early 1980s and that had changed a number of policy frameworks in india that had really pushed the so called development beyond limit in its uh, acceleration destroying the natural resources and also killing the uh, democracy and democratic institutions in the country uh, right uh, 
from the legislatures to bureaucracy to the media to the judiciary all these four pillars of democracy as they are known in india uh, are affected by the globalization which is the free flow of capital which is also uh, undesirable and unacceptable influence of the international forces and uh, you know pushing the consumerism through its own market uh, as against the labor intensive technologies industrialization and paradigms in various sectors so we challenge that we challenge corporatization as the neo capitalism because the monetary capital really takes place of the human resource and natural resource capital and it buys over Uh, and kills the uh, sources of livelihood and employment now this year for example uh, at at present for example all these three pillars are proved to be the real basis for our own ideology and this is now seen from all by all the moments so we feel um, happy that the uh, tripolar ideology that napm thought of is now taken seriously by various women maybe they begin with but they go in uh, in the course of time uh, linking the various issues and uh, forming their own comprehensive framework so the human rights organization the labor rights organizations the displaced peoples organizations the uh, environmental organizations women's organizations dalit organizations the adivasi the indigenous peoples organizations there are all categories of organizations which are part of NAPM today uh, the problems or the uh, barriers we faced which we had to cross uh, effectively uh, were of different kinds one um, in order to derive a common denominator not minimum common but maximum common denominator we had to really have had uh, long in depth dialogues the dalit organizations for example would not initially take the environmental issues seriously but now when the urban slums are evicted and the uh, the grazing grounds uh, which are the sources of livelihood for many dalits or the even the contract labor uh, all these uh, sectors are affected with the kind of development mongering that is going on Uh, they realize that these are the issues uh, that are also their issues similarly those who work on the environmental issues do not consider casteism or communalism uh, or secularism as an alternative uh, value uh, to be that serious uh, challenge but today they all are uh, in that too when the muslims are targeted and all other communities who do not live on paper system uh, are going to face the uh, very serious impact of the citizenship amendment act or the registers which has happened in one of the states already uh, all organizations have come forward and fighting the battle this kind of unity of the progressive thinking organizations is a must because otherwise if you take up one issue uh, not only that you cannot carry on till long but we you also do not 
uh, get into the political education of your own communities, uh, the people you work with. And then they cannot really think of uh, the political, economic and social alternatives, uh, which only can give them a way out of the multiple crisis that is faced by all of them. So the fish workers uh, have to come together with farmers when they have to save any river valley or even the coastal area of India. That's what has happened in many of our movements. When the Enron corporate was fought against, the farmers and the fish workers were together. When we were in jail, all of them were fighting outside to get us released. And uh, that was also a very effective battle. In the power sector, privatization was coming in in a big way. So I can give a number of examples of that kind. But let me stop here. <laughs> yes, but we, so you're saying that uh, dialogue is important, education is important. How how long does it take for this to happen for people? I, I see many organizations who are working on really important issues, but are very uh, narrowly focused on those issues. And they don't have the, they certainly don't feel they have the, 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 the space, the resources, the time to, to deal with other issues. They already are struggling yes. dealing with their issues. Yes. How, how yes. does this happen that you get a broader collective, that you, you, you connect together these issues? No, you're right, you know, and uh, they are also right in a way that uh, we all get bogged down with the uh, local issues and uh, that is not to be underestimated or uh, not to be considered as uh, unnecessary or uh, not required. That is necessary. People have to, the activists have to be rooted at the mass roots, I don't call it grassroots because grassroots are very superficial. Uh, and uh, that perseverance and long-term battles are also a must. So only a few of an activist group can go out. Like if I go out, my colleagues here have to continue. If I fail to build that kind of leadership, then... Uh, we fail to really carry on any movement towards success. And that gets uh, affected uh, in terms of the networking also. Because uh, when you try and bring together various movements, uh, we look at each other and everyone look forward to some success in some moments, which give them a hope. And that moment with its some success and uh, broad experience really makes an impact in terms of the other moments, uh, you know, uh, sort of believing in uh, the kind of uh, optimism and uh, feeling optimistic and uh, in coming together. I also think that uh, when the state becomes more and more oppressive, uh, this happens much more, that the people have to uh, stick to their own areas, uh, localities, territories, or the sectors. And uh, they uh, cannot be said to be wrong in that, because after all, we have to survive 
in order to fight. Uh, and for survival, we have to face the state, the omnipotent state with its own force, which is brutal many times, especially the moments when we are the moments that challenge the system. We are attacked more because they are scared of us. <laughs> they are scared of those who are not scared of them. <laughs> and then the uh, physical force, uh, not just the police, but even army is brought in. Today, even the firing is taking place uh, against Muslims, as it has happened in the state of Uttar Pradesh. I visited uh, five, six states recently where this agitation is going on. And uh, all the moments are giving a lot of time to this agitation. But even in this agitation against the law, the Citizenship Amendment Act, uh, there is, there are voices which are raised as voices for freedom. Now, freedom from what? We all in our speeches, in our dialogues, in our interaction with the agitators all over, are interpreting it as freedom from all kinds of discrimination, including gender injustice. Freedom from the non-sustainable paradigm of development. Freedom from destruction and dep deprivation that is caused by the wrong economies. Freedom from unemployment, freedom from corruption, um, freedom from um, you know the globalization paradigm. Uh, so interpreting the whole movement, uh, expanding its ideologies, make it inclusive of more and more movements. And uh, these two are the two sides of the same coin. And I think that's why we have to all be inclusive and we have to be open-minded. The whole delicate process of bringing moments together is experienced by all of us. And that experience is not just full of barriers and challenges. They're very, very, very positive experiences as well. Uh, when we all joined the movement against the POSCO company in Orissa, we were all targeted. The company had announced that anyone who would meet me will have to pay a fine of 10,000 rupees. <laughs> so all those women who had cuddled me in the previous visit had closed their doors and were really watching me through a small gap in the doors. <laughs> and that was as late as nine o'clock at night. And then there was no place to sleep. So we had to go far away and sleep in another village communities and stay there. So uh, these kinds of experiences are very interesting. But the community did not break from the moment, did not break the relationship, me as a personal or our NAPM, but rather took our support much more little later. So uh, there are ups and downs, but uh, uh, also we have to fight from local to international. So without each other's support, we cannot really win those battles. When we were fighting on the Narmada issue, we had an international action group. Now, I was not going international all the time. None of us, my colleagues as well. But uh, we had regular communication. And even once when I went to U.S. Congress and presented the case before the United U.S. Congress Committee, it was a grand experience. The chairman really, you know, uh, appreciated the presentation. 
I had one lawyer from Gujarat and one economist from Maharashtra. But really, uh, they gave so much time against their own rules and then directed the World Bank to appoint a review commission for Narmada. So these kinds of experiences where the local activist also has to go international, that I think makes a difference. Because the not just passionate presentation, but presentation full of the mass level, ground level reality uh, is different from an advocate's uh, legal lawyer's presentation. Uh, and the political analysis gets uh, intermingled, interconnected with the uh, issues which may be just legal or social. Um, so I think uh, the Networking really helps that. You cannot carry on all the activities yourself. Movement requires support from other organizations in documentation, in research, in representation, uh, so on and so forth. So these are the complementarity and uh, multi-stakeholders kind of coming in. And that really uh, gives us scientific inputs, technological inputs, but also political and social inputs. And people get inspiration from each other. It's not just the so-called leaders of the movement. It is always a collective leadership that has to be there in order to carry on for a long time, as long as more than three decades as we have. It's always a collective leadership. People may not be knowing all the names of all our leaders, but uh, they play different roles and that space must be granted to them in order to be successful. Uh, we recently had, after 25 years of uh, NAPM, uh, 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 <laughs> by annual convention in the state of Orissa, attended by 800 delegates. And what a force there was in the slogans, in songs, in presentations, a special session by the younger youngsters, special session for the state alliances. We have this decentralized structure. Now, we have not succeeded 100%. Uh, we are weak in some states, we are strong in other states, so on and so forth. But as long as there is, there are, there is a group of activists, and we have changing group of conveners that we insist upon. I had taken up advisorship for uh, four to six years in between. This time they pulled me in and pushed me in the uh, conveners team again to make me again uh, remain as active as I have been uh, to go across the country and so on. But I'm finding it very difficult to manage Narmada and uh, the urban poor struggle and the mill worker struggles, which are my local struggles, but not that small scale struggles, large scale struggles, and also carry on the responsibility nationally. So I'm not uh, personifying it, but this is my personal experience, which can be understood and applicable to many other activists, which are also facing the same thing. But we need to fight at different fronts, multiple front strategy we have to evolve. And we also have to uh, study a lot. Every movement requires an in-depth study of 
various documents and various laws and so on and so forth and we have to keep ourselves updated all these challenges are the challenges of any networking it's fascinating the, the work and the the depth and the number of projects that and the, your inspiring voice and actions are you optimistic modi you mentioned this citizenship law there's there's uh increasingly centralized id and data and so forth do you see those being used against social movements how worried are you uh, the social movements uh, are the only ways to face this uh, rightist government Uh, the government which is absolutely against the people's uh, freedom against the constitutional value framework the government which is changing the laws of the land in order to benefit uh, the corporates more and more uh, disinvesting not less than 50 profit making public sector enterprises including the railways which is the largest network of railways in the country and uh, in the world and uh, so on and so forth and they are really using the religious fundamentalism as the weapon for uh, fighting against the other political parties and uh, gain their own vote bank uh, so they are not even ready to accept uh, voters as citizens and challenging everyone they are not just wasting thousands of crores of rupees uh, at the cost of the basic services and amenities uh, to the poor people and uh, all those who are made poor uh, because they are not paid <laughs> um, appropriately but they are also destroying the uh, you know the the fabric of unity uh, within diversity that we have been proud of here in india now this is something which is to be taken by horns and the students in the universities that are attacked uh that attack is because they want to push in their own student organizations affiliated to this particular rightist party and that they want to do by hook or crook uh they are also uh going international and joining hats with uh, trumps or with the bolsonaro who was uh, one of the guests uh, for the republic day of india which was really shocking uh, so on and so forth and they are expanding their markets and they don't mind joining hands with china but they consider maoists those who believe in maoism in india not us but many others uh, as the terrorists so this is all contradictory approach in their whole governance and uh, the governance is towards uh, fundamentalism and uh, communalism and that cannot be tolerated when religion is made a criterion or a basis for citizenship this is absolutely against the constitution of india and uh, people who are fighting have now taken constitution in their hands not just the indian flag and it is the country that is at their hearts so this is the great achievement the muslim women coming out 
that that shows how the movement shakes the community that is fighting from within they don't just challenge the state but they challenge themselves this is what is happening to all of us so i think uh, this battles uh, have to be built into a war we have taken to many alliances when it was the land acquisition related issues we formed bhumi adhikar andolan hundreds of organizations came together that was also necessary in order to challenge the ordinances that was brought in three times and they tried to change the 2013 act which we had to work hard with the previous government that was at least uh, a government Uh, which was for dialogue the congress government the centrist government with some leftist uh, joining them uh, and hence uh, we had uh, to form that platform to challenge the land related issues that still goes on we have another alliance i'm also a member of the working group there with about 300 farmers organizations uh, which is all india uh, farmers struggle Uh, alliance and that is challenging the indebtedness uh, no appropriate uh, rises and uh, no freedom from debt so we want these things to be achieved we have put forth before the parliament two drafts of the two uh, enactments we want a special session on farmers issues of the parliament uh, we also have Uh, the forest dwellers uh, you know sort of uh, alliance we have the alliance uh, of the activists working on right to information we have part of a number of alliances but more or less and now uh, active in each because some have to take the lead in each alliance and there has to be an alliance of alliances today in fighting this citizenship amendment act the national population register and national register of citizens i said in my past few speeches uh, as yesterday night that we are fighting npr national population register by another npr which is national people's resistance and we are fighting national register for citizens by national resistance against communalism national resistance against casteism national resistance against corporatism national resistance against corruption so we have to really interpret the latest movement and we have formed a banner called we the people of india in which hundreds of organizations even the is officers who have left their jobs and taken up this movement like one mr kannan gopinathan or kanaiya kumar a popular activist in the country today uh, so on and so forth and uh, the tista sakelwad who fought on the gujarat riots issues uh, all of them have joined together we are all together and we have one banner we the people of india the next meeting 4th february will have uh, all of us together and a part of the advisory committee and others and uh, there is a working committee also so together 
I think we will work out an effective strategy. And the act is passed, but many, many political parties and state governments have, as a result of the people's movement, decided to oppose this new act and the registers. So that's also a victory, but we have not yet reached the horizon. <laughs> well, I wish you the very best of success with all of the great work you're doing, Meta. It's very thank inspiring you. to talk to you and it's uh, just such important work. And thank you so much for sharing with us today all your insights and experiences and, and uh, I wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. It would be great if you could leave a review and share the podcast on social media. You can sign up at iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.